Hello and welcome to Disruptive Intent. On this episode, I get to sit down with one of my big business inspirations. He's been a mentor to me in the whole business field and how to do your business, how to run a business and just all around how to manage your finances better. His name is Rich Mulholland and let, let's get into the podcast. Okay, cool, man. I said, welcome to Disruptive Intent. Uh, I thought I extended an invite to you because I, I got to know you from um, Gareth Cliff's show and uh, the rants and all the advice and that you gave on, on that uh, <laughs> on, the, on that podcast. So I thought, uh, let me reach out to you. As I said, you've been such a big influence to my business and the way I've been doing things and how I want to do things in the future when actually running my own company and that. So I thought, let's 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 find out what this guy's made of. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I'm happy to find out myself what I'm made of. I'm still not sure. <laughs> that's, that's an everlasting quest, right? That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's the journey of just finding yourself. Okay, but cool. For the, for the listeners that don't know you, um, Elevator Pitch, uh, who is Rich Mulholland? Uh, I'm a guy who started a business accidentally about 22 years ago and is kind of stuck in the loop of entrepreneurship, running a business realizing that I really don't like running businesses. So still trying to strive to have as much fun as I can while doing something that is not necessarily my jam. No, that's pretty cool. Actually, well, that's a cool way to look at it. Like just to find a fun way to run a business. So you say you have not found that way to run the business, your perfect business yet. Okay. So if you look at the business I'm in right now, it's called Missing Links, one of our companies. It's a great company, but it's an okay yeah. business. Now, the, the people who have the characteristics of creating great businesses, they have slightly different intent than I do. I'm not motivated okay. uh, by uh, certain, you know, uh, things that other people would be motivated by. But I want to make an impact on people. I want to do stuff that I think matters. And I want to have as much fun as I possibly can doing that. I really, really want this to feel like a hobby. When I started Missing Link, it really, really was my hobby. When I look at all the different hobbies I've had throughout my life, I realized running a business was just like, it had the same feeling as all the rest of those did. The problem is, okay. once the novelty of the hobby wears off, you know, when you get bored of, I did Kung Fu for years, when I'd had enough doing Kung Fu after 10 years, you yeah. know, I stopped and I find something else. But you can't mm. do that when it's also your job. So I got exactly. to that stage where I kind of fell out of love with the day-to-day figuring out what this business thing was like, but I still had to yeah, do it because yeah. I've got kids in school and things. And so it's a different journey. And even now figuring out, you know, what needle do I need to to move uh, for me personally, but also now I'm responsible to other people, managers, people, staff, and, and trying to figure out what's right for them too, while still yeah. never yeah. compromising on what the meaning of what we do. But what would you say is the thing that matters to you? Like, what, what what would you say is the main goal of your business? Obviously, you want to sustain a living through that. But what is the like you said the thing that matters in that company? Well, different different companies have different things that matter. So, what I do believe. So, my I always say that entrepreneurs are driven by hate. It's not about doing what they love, right? I don't do what I love. I've already said to you, I don't enjoy running companies. They are chore and effort. But I, I'm deeply frustrated by how badly audience are abused, right? And I think that audience are one of the biggest, most wasted resources in the world today. Think about all the times you've been in those terrible meetings where you're sitting there thinking, why am I even here? Or when you've been CC'd in an email chain, or when you're sitting in a conference and you're thinking to yourself, you know, the speaker gets up and says, I'm sorry, sorry, guys. Um, I didn't really have much time to prepare. So I put these slides together this morning. Like there's a hundred of us. 
make an effort, right? Mm. And to me, it's doubly frustrating because when audience is activated, amazing things happen. You know, if yeah. I can move the needle, if I can stand up in front of a group of people and move the needle of 10% of them by just 10%, that matters. And so I care about that. I care about that every single time you get on a stage and Missing Link is a presentation company, uh, mm -hmm. but 21 Tanks is a, you know, we, we kind of work with them on how do we turn that into action as a team building business. And we care very, very much about activating audiences, about TalkCore, one of the other businesses, about making sure that wants to do that whole thing at scale. And that's what keeps me awake at night. How can I change the world's relationship with presentation? The idea that people say that presentation is one of the scariest things you'll ever do, that's just because presentations are crap and because the stakes are high. You shouldn't be scared of something. I love it when I'm delivering a talk, and that's what I want for people. So that I can still get excited about 22 years in. They, well, actually, that's a, that's a good thing, and that's the one thing you changed from for for me as well. Because the way I present, I'm trying to make it interesting, make it put some effort in it. Like I said, do make an impact, even if it's ten minutes long or five minutes long. As long as you make that impact and you get you get your message across, then that's the time you need. And I think that's what uh, that's the like a long, not a long term goal, but that's the ever going goal is making that impact in the shortest amount of time. Because you need the people's attention span has like dumbed down so little. People are just fascinated. But not even Instagram is interesting to you. People are just scrolling, right. scrolling, scrolling, and scroll, you can't scroll, grab scroll, someone's scroll. yeah. You can't grab someone's interest. But I want to get more behind like what what triggered you in thinking, damn it, like I can't take this anymore. That audiences are being abused that much. Like what what changed in in the fact that's made you start thinking that way? That that you want to improve that. I mean, so I was working in staging and we were doing the lighting and I just realized that I was solving the wrong problem. I could put lots of lighting, sound AV behind a speaker, but okay. if the presentation was bad, it was bad. And, and so mm -hmm. I, I kind of realized that was a problem. The truth is it didn't start out like that. Like I wish I could turn around and say that I was a 22-year-old idealist. I was, I'm a 44-year-old idealist. I was a 22-year-old capitalist. It really was nothing other than greed. Hold on a second. These presentations are terrible. They should be good. These people need these to be good. They spent a fortune with us on this conference, and yet they're not moving anything. There has to be an opportunity here to make money. And when I started the company, that was it. The motivation was make money. And I think that's okay. In fact, I often say to people, be, be, beware of getting mentors. Because I, so I mentor a young business right now, and I always have to remind myself, they're 25. Don't give them advice that you would give a 44-year-old. Yeah, give them advice that your 25-year-old needs to hear. And, you know, like now I talk about work-life balance. Then I would have talked about working till your eyes bleed, you know. And, yeah. um, and so the motive, I wish I could say to you, oh, I was beautiful and I, was, I noticed this thing and I thought I could change the world. I wanted to make cash and I saw an opportunity. I thought this solves a problem that people care about. They don't know they care about it yet, but I can convince them that they should. And that to me yeah. is an easy starting point. If you find something that you can convince somebody that they should care about enough to spend money on it, you have a market. Exactly. Well, you see that these days with um, simple stuff like Twitch streamers um, having people click on and subscribing to their channel and paying them $5 a month because they made their channel interesting enough that it convinced someone to separate.
bread with five dollars every month because they play games online and like yeah, so that's that was a that was that's also like I said yeah it's cool playing games and that but it's like if you that, that's a problem they saw a market and they said cool let's go for it and then someone like twitch and mixer and all those provided the platform to that so so is this now you continuing forward like any other companies that you start you're just looking for problems to solve convincing people and then making them pay for you to convince them that it's important <laughs> Yeah, so that was that's to me is what entrepreneurship is, right? Entrepreneurs are people who look at problems in the world and say, I can fix that. We fix problems or we fill gaps. That's it. Right? You look at something and say, hmm, there's a gap there or there's a problem there that needs to be fixed in order for this, you know, to be better, to be better. And I look for those things. But it's so tricky because I have to separate opportunity from distraction. You know, it's very, very easy when, when you have that mindset to be confused with shiny penny syndrome and focus is, is yeah. a massive stress. And I really, really got it wrong. I started my, my second company 10 years in and that was fine because I could still focus. What we're doing better now is every business has a champion and a leader. So I actually don't have a job. I don't work for any one company. I help out where I'm needed. I'm designed to uh, go out there and talk and evangelize our companies, create conversations. And then when those conversations come to me, find out which one of our funnels do I want to throw them down. So that's kind of how we're focusing now. But uh, I was getting so distracted wanting to start things and I saw every opportunity I saw. And one of the the biggest challenges facing entrepreneurs is realizing what to say no to. Exactly. But how, how did you evaluate the, um, like what to go for? Cause like I said, obviously it has paid off so far and you've been very successful from, from what I've seen on that. How did you, how do you funnel that and say, you know what, this is not just a shiny thing. I'm going to leave this or this is an actual opportunity and let's go for this. So we have service businesses. So for the most part, I sold vaporware. I sold an idea to somebody until they bought it. And when they bought it, we made it. Same thing with keynotes. So I write keynotes. I deliver one of my jobs as a, as a speaker. In fact, one of the companies, the kind of seventh company, is my speaking business. And in some ways, it's more profitable than a lot of the other businesses. And when I do that, I create products, but I want to know if the market cares about this. So I can create a one-page flyer, and I've, I've listed in the list of keynotes that I have, and I've thought enough about it, and I go out there, and I, we sell that. Right? My business development people go out there and they sell that and they talk to people and they say, okay, this is uh, what Richard can talk about. This is a new keynote. And then we wait for somebody to come back and say, we want that one. And when they want that one, then we build it, or at least then I build it. And, and that to me is, is critical. Like you can often, like people do so much development work and not enough sales work. They think yes. they're in the product business, but you're almost always in the sales business. And the one lucky thing that I had going for me was the constraint. And the constraint is that I am a one-trick pony. All I am is a salesman. Every variation of that, being on podcasts, being on stages, being on anything is selling. I am just a salesman. I say just. I mean, I think there's no problems businesses I have that can be solved by better sales. But and better sales, not more sales. But but that's what it is. So my solution to every problem is try sell it. Well, it makes sense because they, then at the end of it, it just it, it makes you money and you have more opportunities. And looking at it that way of creating a solution and not like not having like it's not a physical product that you don't have to go to a place and make like a hundred of these and then try and sell them. You've got a so you think you've got a solution to a certain problem and then you go out and you sell it and then you have people in the background like that that pull that through and go and go through. So, but where do you think that that fits in like I said in the market is 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 
and what what is, what is your market in that sense? Like I said, who, where are you looking to targeting? Is it just South Africa? Is it, is it broader? Is there a certain age group you say we focus on these people and these solutions, or, or what? Or, and what what aspect do you view that? So, in fact, for years we didn't. So let's take Missing Link, the the longest running business for a while, twenty two years old. So. For many, many years, we didn't define who our market was. We simply defined who our market wasn't. Okay. And it was very, very simple. We did not deal with entrepreneurs. We refused flat out. Like, we wouldn't do your work. The amount mm. of times entrepreneurs find us, hi, I own this company. I'm looking for a presentation or some work in a conference. And we'd say to them, honestly, quite frankly, with a business your size, there's better things you can do with 100 grand than, than buy, buy a fancy PowerPoint. This is what we'd recommend you do. Come through and we'll give you some free advice. Uh, and then you create it yourself and spend 100 grand on something more meaningful. We knew, and the reason was very, very simple, that uh, people that spend their own money are 20 times more demanding than people that spend other people's money. Yeah. Right. So, so if you're spending a hundred thousand rand, if I'm spending a hundred thousand rand of my own money, I'm going to get every single ounce I can out of you. But if I'm working in large corporates or I'm part of an organization of entrepreneurs, for me to yes. sign off a hundred grand, well, that's no problem at all because mm. it's other people's money, right? It's just mm. a line. So we knew that that's what it was, and we knew that we solved a problem for corporates. So our market was quite clearly large corporate organizations that host big conferences. And so we kind of knew that's what we were going for. Mm. As we've grown, we've built other kind of markets. So we have presentation training and executive coaching. That now we can deal with entrepreneurs. Uh, 21 Tanks can do strategy sessions for entrepreneurs. Talk Drawer is a global business. Firing Squad, the lead generation company, is a global business. Uh, The sales department, a global business. And, and that business, incidentally, the sales department is very specifically for entrepreneurs. They have a no enterprise model. Okay. So we define our business by what we say no to. No, okay, cool. Well, that makes even more sense because, like I said, then you then you know exactly you you kind of know what your market is, and you know, it's like I said, these below this line of not like below in sense, but like I said, these people on this list we not we don't touch them, and that's. And then with, with creating that line, you basically created a new company that does the training of that. So that's also that right. gives you another funnel to, to, to pitch to, to another type of audience to. So you technically can do it for anyone. So let me give you a case in point. We were selling, we set up a, a business in Bristol in the UK for Missing Link. Now Missing Link has, I think, about 35 products. When we went there though, we launched there with four. Uh, or I think maybe five. So it's uh, executive coaching, the three different presentation training products we have, and keynote design. So only, only the products at the highest order of the presentation hierarchy. So you have been invited to speak at a big leading industry conference. You're in front of hundreds of your peers, and you have to, to really, really do something that matters. We're the yeah. guys who will do that for you. That's the only product that I've let my guys sell over there. Why? Because here we have reputation. We can do some kind of quick cleanup work and get away with it. But there, we're trying to create a new, narrow, narrow, narrow. We want them people to think that these are the presentation professionals. That's yes. what it is. The best yeah. way to do that was to define everything we're going to say no to. If we're not making you smarter and if we're not making you look better in front of important people, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do your sales yeah. toolbox. We're not going to do all of these things. We're going to focus on keynotes, build a reputation, and then extend. So often, just because you can doesn't mean you should. In fact, oh, well, definitely not. 
<laughs> and I said, where is all this leading to? So I said, you've got this amazing idea. You said you're 44 years old. Um, where do you want to end up? You said you don't like the, the whole thing of running companies and that. Have you found something that you're working for and seeing, okay, cool, at let's say 50, I want to do this or that or something like that is motivating you at the moment? Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's extremely timeless that you asked this. Yesterday, we did a big recognition session with my forum, my group. Of, it's basically the first board of directors of my life, my EO forum. And yes, I have a goal. So it's 52 when my youngest finishes school. And by then, I want to start my next career. I want it to be completely different. So the goal is very, very simple. I want to reach a state of absolute financial freedom uh, in order to be able to create an entirely new career without risking my future, my retirement, and my family. I don't know what that looks like yet. I might be an author of fiction. I might, you know, become, there's many, many things that interest me. More yes. likely, I want to be some sort of activist. I want to do work that matters, that doesn't generate income. Uh, so I want perhaps animal rights activism is something quite important to me, uh, maybe in the education space. But I want to do something that I feel is driven by purpose and by need, not by profit. Okay. I understand one of our businesses, uh, Human Rights, it's a social entrepreneurship project. But I want to, I want to, that business still has a social and an entrepreneurship project. I think yeah. I want to define the latter part of my life as doing something of more meaning. I don't want to be, like for me, it'll be a personal failing. If I, if I die and, you know, that kind of talks about me as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, that'll be a mistake. I love Bryce Courtney. Do you know who he is? No. So he was a famous author. He wrote a book called The Power of One. It actually became a movie and things. And, yeah. uh, he was actually a very, very famous advertising executive, finished his career, retired, and then became a world best-selling author. Most people know Bryce Courtney as being a world best-selling author. What they don't know is that he was actually a leading advertising executive in the world in his previous career. And I want the chance to reinvent. I don't want to have one life. You know, you have one life, live it. I want to have two lives. Mm -hmm. I want to live a whole different set of my life again. So the way to do that is financial freedom. And the goal for me is to do two things simultaneously. Uh, stop wanting more and then create enough to sustain what I have. So the first thing I've already put a peg in, uh, you know, we're constantly trying to create more and more and more. I looked mm -hmm. around recently and I realized what do I want more for. Like I have a great yeah. life. If I get jealous by somebody else's better car than mine, uh, then I'm going to have to work harder to buy that car. Then that is the wealth and income that I have to sustain. My life is already, I, I'm certainly not over the top, but it's already at a point where I can be completely happy with for the rest of my life. So now I've just got to work out how do I earn the income and generate the wealth to sustain that. Oh, and that's my mission. Yeah, but that's, that's an awesome goal. Like I said, I think if more people thought of it like that, that to work to a place where they can get that financial freedom, because I see people daily that are 50 years old and still, like I said, when you speak about them um, of retirement, it's like speaking to them about some illness or sickness. They're so scared of retiring because they're after that. I'm just like, I'm going to sustain this lifestyle that I'm living. And exactly, nice. we, we're so caught up in that. Um, you know what, I want, look, this guy's got this car, I want to want better. And, but like I said, then you get these people, uh, my brother, he works in sales, he's um, part of the Volkswagen group, and he says he sees it on a daily where people buy cars that he knows they can't afford, but they still want the class of I'm driving X car, I'm buying this car, and it's it's insane. It's 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 a whole culture change that has to go on, and I really, so, so that's why I love people like yourself going out and preaching that and living that life and trying to set that goal. 
because I told I told my girlfriend as well. I said to her, "We need to work to a point where we're happy with X, Y, and Z, and then find out how to sustain X, Y, and Z." If we, okay. um, no. well, I just love what you said there. So mm-hmm. that thing that you des- described as your point, we mm-hmm. refer to that as your victory condition, or mm-hmm. a current victory condition with regards to wealth. Now, I think that is. You've just had a You're the 1% of people that have had that conversation. My challenge, everybody else is a horizon chaser. We want this, then we get this, then we look. We're like, I want the horizon. And then we run to the horizon, we get there. We're like, shit, the horizon is moved. I want that horizon. There's yeah. always more horizons, right? You're running up rolling hills. And every time you get to the top of one hill, there's another hill going on. We can't sustain that. At some point, Every single person needs to sit down and say, realistically, where we are right now, even if it's your girlfriend and you've got, you want to one day maybe have kids and you want to have all of these things, you got to sit down and say, okay, let's work out what is our number. What is the number at which if we had that money in the bank, we could sustain the lifestyle we want to have in the future. That might be going through having children, putting them through school, putting them through university, then going up, moving out, retiring, going on world cruises and holidays. Define what that number is and work up and get it. Without a shadow exactly. of a doubt, people, people say all the time, oh, do you have any regrets? Would you do anything differently? No, I wouldn't do anything differently. I love my life. I want to punch those people in the face. Unless <laughs> if you didn't start saving and investing 20% of your income the day you started earning money, uh, then you should regret that. And if you don't regret it yet, you will. I'm warning you now that you have written a regret check that you will have to cash. If you are not exactly. investing twenty percent of your income and leaving it for later, it's not about it's not like having a pension. It's about giving mm. yourself freedom to tap out and try something new. That's my yeah. goal right now. Is how can I be free to explore and try and do something special and different? I can't do that right now because I've got to sell another presentation to keep the lights yeah. on, the engine running, so that mm. I, you know I can keep paying for stuff. Exactly. No, because uh, that's the one thing that I can, like I said, the, the, the regret check that I'm cashing at the moment is um, when I was still like in my early 20s, uh, making a ton of debt um, to just do stuff, buy cars, do this, go there, go on this holiday, whatever. And now I'm sitting with where I want to quit my nine to five job and move to something that I love doing is in that photography, but I can't make that job because I have to keep the lights on and keep the nine to five job to be able to pay that. So, um, you said part of the, your, your victory statement that we have to do is, me and my girlfriend are both 110% focused on um, paying um, off our debt. And then we came to the, we were actually, we said, we're not going to go out anymore. We're just going to uh, dumb down everything and work on this. And then we came to a point where we said, um, okay, no, but we still want to enjoy certain pleasures and life. still go on a holiday. And, the, and I told her, okay, cool, but that'll move that line from, okay, we should have paid off our debt at this year. That moves a bit back. And then we made that sacrifice and that agreement of, okay, cool, we're going to set our living standards to a bit, bit up on, on the side but still then be a work on focus on that and then I think people aren't focused on that they, they think oh yeah we'll pay off our debt eventually but if you've, you've got a goal driven that you need to get that done and this and then then you'll rethink it and when, when you said okay cool you know what I'm going to buy a new car you said no 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 I'm rather going to buy a second hand car and use that money that I would have spent on the new car and pay off my debt uh, on someone else and then in the event like I said she's got uh, she said to me and like I said we I think we said two and a half years then we both debt free and like I said I'm still well I'm, I'm, I'm now 28 and she's 32 and like I said we're sitting there and in two years time we're debt free and then that means we can both make that jump to whichever side we want to we don't you're not just debt free uh, you're free 
yeah. you're actually free. Yeah, right? exactly. Death is a prison. Mm. And, and the fact that, yeah. you know, in two years, you can be at a point where you have freedom to make meaningful decisions. Because yeah. you can say, I want to chase a career in photography. I mm. want to do those things. What am I willing to sacrifice to get that done? So you yeah. might look around and say, well, we live in this apartment. It's a bit big. Right? We can maybe move to a slightly smaller apartment. Or maybe we could share a car. Cool, we yeah. can do those things. Mm. So, so free that up so that we have less in order to do something more and, and give it a bash. That's exactly. me. That freedom is everything, right? We don't need money. Yeah. We need time. We need time to, and freedom to make decisions and to do things. And I just think that the world isn't intentional enough about that. The mm. arrogance that I had, I can't tell you the amount of times. I mean, I can physically, like I feel ill when I think about it. When I was sitting across from a financial advisor, I never saying you got to invest and do these things. Now I'm saying, no, like it makes more yeah. sense for me to invest. Why would I invest 10 Rand with you when I can invest that same 10 Rand in my own company and turn that into more money? Yeah. The truth was, first of all, they weren't asking me not to invest money in my business. They were saying to me, with the money you're already taking and spending on other stuff, you know, don't waste the money on another electric skateboard. Invest that money in, <laughs> you know, in a, a ETF or something like this, and an index fund, whatever. If I yeah. had started doing that, you know, it's the one gift I'm giving to my children. The one mm. gift I tell them all the time: the mistake I made, the regret I have. My son is 50, uh, 16. He's worked in a trampoline, uh, one of those trampoline places, since he was fifteen. Thirty-five percent of his salary every single time. His dad invests this for me. Invest this for me. He's built That's that brilliant. habit now. So in his mind, it's just a tax. Mm. He gets he gets his government tax, and then he gets his investment tax, and then he gets mm. his salary. And he bases all his decisions on his salary. When he's 30 years old, he will have a paid-off house like you. You know, he'll be debt-free, and he'll be free to yeah. make meaningful decisions in his life. I'm 44, and I still struggle to fall asleep at night because I'm nervous. It's problematic. Yeah. Exactly. That's one of the, the things that I also thought when um, I saw a financial advisor and he said, okay, no, take this money. You're starting to earn a decent salary. Put it away. Start investing or whatever. I said, no, it's fine. It's like, I'll, and today I'm so glad I did that because when I'm 55 years old, that's going to pay out. And then I'm going to help. Like I said, if I'm debt free now and get that payout, then Sheesh. like I said, then it's more trips and everything. <laughs> yeah, it really, so really is. And honestly, you're going to enjoy the money more. When you're yep. 55 and you're staying in great hotels than you would have been if you spent yep. it backpacking around Europe when you were 21. True. And and the thing is, I've, like I said, I've talked to people that say to me, they can't wait to retire so they can take that pension and pay off their debt. I say, so you've worked your whole life and, and gathered all this debt and now you're going to use the money that you should have used to, 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 to spend the rest of your days in a nice porch with your wife. Now you're going to use that money to like pay like that, like that, what you said, the, the, the cast that check now because of all the bad, bad decisions you made in the past life. That's insane. Yeah, one of the apps we once myself and one of my uh, business partners wanted to make was an app that every time you want to buy something, you scan it. And so you see a pair of sneakers for 2000 bucks and you scan it and they say they will cost you 2000 bucks now. But then what it does is it says it will cost you in your retirement this much. And it basically says, if yes. I calculated, if I invested the 2000 rand of the sneakers, yeah. so how much is the two thousand? Cause the person who use, whose money you're spending is not just yours. It's also future yours. Mm. Right, so we have to. We're in a relay race, and every morning, every night, you go to bed, and you wake up. A different person wakes up. So, like when I yeah. go to bed at night and I kick off my sneakers, 
and I don't untie the laces. In the morning, when future me wakes up, he's like, oh, yesterday me was an asshole. Why didn't we untie the laces? And I'm fumbling around at six in the morning trying to get my gym shoes on. Mm. We have to be better to future to future us. So I wanted to look, did you scan those sneakers? You say it's 2,000 Rand, but then you look, uh, retired you. That cost them a holiday, a cruise around the world. What? Yes, or, yeah. You know, a, a yeah. trip... Uh, the dream trip to Japan. And mm. you can literally turn around and say, if you don't buy those shoes now and instead invest it, mm. then that one day, 60-year-old you will be able to go and buy you know, on a trip to Japan. What do you want? The sneakers or the trip to Japan? And if you select the trip to Japan, it invests the money instead. Still takes sure. it from your bank account, but invests it. Invest and then, money, I, yeah. you know, and then, you know, somebody like Alan Gray will buy us for a bajillion. <laughs> That's the, to me, yeah. we need to, we need to give people a frame. You need to turn and say, it's not 2000 Rand now. You're not robbing the money. You're not spending the money now. You're mm-hmm. taking it from future you. And future you can have so much more funny with the invested version of that money. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like you're eating. You, you, you're picking fruit before it's fully grown and eating it then. But if you'd waited a little while and left it on the tree and you're eating it then and you've got a big juicy ripe apple, mm. if you take the money when you've got it, you've just got the seed. Plant the seed and then spend it later when it's coming to fruit. I just made exactly. that up, but I think it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I'm going to work on it. It's material. No, this, is, this, is like, this is the part, part that sells the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, so what, what advice or what would you say to people that has the exact opposite in uh, um, like seeing out of life, the people that do live in the moment and say, no, rather spend that money now instead of investing it and so on. I said, what, what would you say to those people if you had one of those, those people like, sitting in a meeting with you? Well, I was those people. Yeah. You know, I bought, every year I bought a new fast car and every year I did stupid things and I enjoyed myself. And I mean, I still have a life, right? We, I was been snowboarding twice this year. Like we, I'm taking my family on a family holiday. It's not like I live like a pauper. I'm not suggesting that. And the same yeah. thing with you and your girlfriend. I'm not suggesting you never go out to dinner, but mm-hmm. I'm saying you work out what your number is. So you yeah. take the money away, you, you tax yourself. Pay the tax bill of yourself and then do whatever you want. So if you want to save two months of your disposable income, so you say, okay, my disposable income after I've paid government tax and investment tax, once I've done those two taxes and paid off my bills, I've got 10 grand left at the end of the month. Cool. I want to do something gnarly. You know what? I'm going to spend a little bit less for the next few months and then we're going on a trip to Ibiza because that's our jam or, or yeah. you know I want to fly to see yeah. Rise Against Play and whatever okay then you do that and then that's it I'm by all means not suggesting because mm. you know what I ride a motorcycle I don't want yes. to but I could die tomorrow it's mm. not like I'm doing this thing but I certainly am not going to spend my money now because I might die it's just yes. ridiculous like I'm yeah. going to understand the value of it mm-hmm. and uh, I would rather be smart about it and all I can tell you, I don't want to give anybody advice, right? I certainly don't want that to be the case. It's almost condescending. All I want to do is share my experience. I did really, really well mm-hmm. for my 30s. I blew uh, so much of it. I didn't invest it smartly. And now I go to bed at night stressing, feeling like, shit, if only I had the opportunity to do this new things I want to do without the cloud of, but what if my kids want to go to, my son wants to go to Oxford and study astrophysics. Yeah, like, oh my goodness, I gotta, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Had I invested and planned and restructured, maybe I'd have been free to make those decisions now. Now, exactly. now they're stressed. 
Oh, that's that's actually an awesome point to to do. Instead of trying to give people advice and tell them what to do, just share what you did wrong and how you working now, or what you, how you paying now, basically for it because of the bad decisions that you made. Yeah, in EO entrepreneurs organization, it's a core principle. People can buy advice, right? You can pay other people to give you advice. Yeah. I don't need advice. I don't want to. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I just want to understand what you did in a similar situation. And when yeah. I can learn that from enough people, when I can say, Kevin did that, but you know, Sue did that, and Mike did that. Sue's situation is closest to my situation. I actually like her approach, but I want to take a little bit of what Kevin did there and apply that to it. Then I can make my own decisions. People exactly. don't want to be told what to do, but they want to have more inputs to help them make better decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling anybody to go and say, but not to take that holiday and not do those things. I'm telling you that the version of me that was like you in their 20s and 30s that did all of that and didn't invest, the older version of me now is pissed off with that person. And I am regretting the silly mistakes I made. I bought a Porsche Panamera. I sold it 10 months after I bought it because I didn't really like it. Uh, just on the sale, I lost 300 grand. But let alone the 300 grand I lost, the million rand I spent on that car alone was a complete and utter waste of money. For the amount, for the relatively small fleeting amount of pleasure I got or my ego got from that ridiculous purchase, future version of me could have done something absolutely meaningful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you had a million like back then, you wasted that money. You had that app of yours and scanned the Porsche. You could have done a hell of a lot more now with, with that million, million dollar, million rand. The problem is, and it's a quote, I can't remember who it was that said it, but comparison is the thief of joy. It's probably the quote I say the most to people over and over again. We look at us and we're driving around and we're in, you know, I'm riding my Vespa today and I'm looking at my Vespa and somebody drives past in a Porsche and I'm like, oh, but this guy's like a peer of mine and I'm on a Vespa and he's in a Porsche and, oh, but you know this. Or we get invited to other entrepreneurial friends' houses and I look at their houses and I think, oh, shit, I'm almost embarrassed. Like, I don't want to invite them back to mine. And then I look at my house and I think, why are you being such an Your house is amazing. Right, so it's mm. not a big mansion on Camps Bay, but it's a lovely house. I'm proud of my house. My parents exactly. were killed to have this house, and then here mm. I am, embarrassed to show people. So now I want to upgrade my house, go into more debt to buy a bigger house, so I look like that guy. And then I get in that guy's circle. And I guarantee you, that guy's sitting there looking at another friend of theirs because in the Olympics of being rich, right? Somebody yeah. else is always going to take the gold medal, not you. Different it's horrible, way. right? Mm. So you have to peg like what you are and stop comparing yourself to you to other people, but compare yourself to the best version of you you want to be. Peg that yeah. so that when you get there, you know, hey, shit, I'm here. Cool. I can stop growing. Now I can start saving. The goalposts mm. are set. Yeah. No, I think that's the perfect way to, to, to go forward. As like I said, set that goalpost, set that, that where you want to be, and then try and sustain that. Um, and sustain that would like while having the, the most fun and just working from there on. And like I said, and thereafter, I think, like I said, I think with my whole perspective um, uh, will change as well as the day I have kids. Because then you start thinking, okay, cool, now I need not only to provide for myself, but for them and then for their futures and try and teach them the lessons that I've learned now or the hard way and paying the school fees myself and knowing that debt is bad. This is the, this is freedom and teaching them those values. I think that would be the end goal. Absolutely. Have you read Sam Beck Bessinger's book? Uh, she's got a book. It's like, it's called yeah. manage your money like a fucking grown up. Oh no, no, but I'll definitely it's by Sam, Sam Beck Bessinger. <laughs> she's, it's a South African lady and she's written it in her perspective and okay. it's phenomenal. It's an absolute must read. I'm going to pay my children, so both my kids, 
Uh, my, my son, I've already said so, but when he's 17, I'm going to pay him an amount into his investment account when he presents back the key lessons from that book. So for every great lesson he gives me, I'll negotiate in the amount, and then he's going to present those back to me, uh, to, and he'll do it to the maximum amount, and then we're going to invest that income. So I'm going to the, the, I'm going to bribe my kids to read a book about investment, <laughs> make him share the information back with me, and then my daughter as well when she's a bit older – and then make it feel like their idea and then let them decide where they're going to invest it and that investment they can't touch. I really want to instill this in my kids. And that book is phenomenal yeah. for well, so how are you okay, okay now you're obviously doing this for businesses and stuff and like that and how are you planning to get this message out to the, the to those generations like I said obviously your kids are going to have that advice and that what do you think how can we get um, that message across to like I said so many other kids that are going to make the same mistakes as their parents because they're going to have the, be in the same race so that's the problem right now that's the freedom I don't have I have this burning belief that this is a story that people need to hear. But right now, unfortunately, uh, and I'll give you another example that, that leads to the same point. Earlier on this year, I'd spoken, so I think in this year so far, I've spoken in 24 countries or 23 countries in six continents. Now, I said, like, I can tell you, like, I've spoken this year in 23 countries in six continents and make it sound cool. But in truth, like, I was so, de- this is probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life. I had to turn, I actually turned around to my wife and said, I think I'm, I think I might be depressed. And the truth was this, the honest truth is, I, I can't say no. I, I don't have enough wealth to be able to say, when somebody says, we'll fly around the world and we'll pay you, what is actually, when you think about quite a, a large amount of money to, to do a talk for an hour, yeah. I actually am not in a position yet. So it's my daughter's birthday on the 2nd of October, and I've got to do a talk for LinkedIn in Chicago, and it's her birthday, and I physically can't. My career is not the place where I can put LinkedIn and say, I'm sorry, I'd love to come and see you guys, but I can't because it's my daughter's birthday. So I had to sit with my daughter and do this. And I was so depressed, I thought, how am I 44 years old and still Mm. unable to say no to that level of work? And this is the problem, bringing this back to what you asked. What am I doing to be able to share that story? Right now, between running the companies, like uh, my capacity for this is limited, but my care is massive. So I have to get to a point where I can actually say, you know what, that big meaningful speaking gig there, I'm not going to do because I've been asked to speak at a school or because I've been Mm. asked to speak to some 22, 20, because I think maybe school's a bit young actually in this. I think parents need to say that there, but I actually think that I want to get people when they're just starting earning a crap ton of money, they've made their first big job, things like this, and then get them to make that decision. And you know what, I'm going to speak to 100 people and two people are going to invest, that's a big win. That's two people's exactly. lives have impacted. But yeah. I need to get my, my you know, place in order, my house mm-hmm. in order, in order to be able to free up the time so I can say no to those other gigs so I can go into work this meaningful. Incidentally, what I do like about LinkedIn is the talk they booked is my talk on purpose, not a business talk. So I'm quite excited oh, about yeah, that. Yeah, that helps. That helps. But I think you have you thought of, of going down a route like something like a podcast, um, spending like getting uh, recording something like this and putting that out there. I said more and more of the younger generation, the people that are moving from, like I said, getting into a, a, earning a proper salary and stuff like that, they are listening to podcasts. So haven't you thought of maybe distributing like that, like that? Because then Actually, you physically my- don't have to be at that point. I had my own podcast for a while. I've had a video series. I've got like three or four videos. The truth is, I actually have content creation fatigue. 
Okay. You know, between writing talks, between doing things, but it's, it's not just my personal fatigue. It's like, so I did a lot of these YouTube videos and I had this channel, I shared my thinking and my ideas, mm, no, no. all these thoughts on it. And then, like, I've got three or four that I'm waiting to release and I probably should release them. They're already filmed and edited, but I'm just so sick to death of seeing, hey, how are you? No, like, I feel like every time I watch, I'm like, oh, great. Another talking head, another person sharing their advice. And I think that mm-hmm. the world doesn't need another me telling people what to do. Yeah. And so I'm so low. Like, I feel like I'm just adding to the noise. You know, there's so much out I there. See. I'm just adding more to the noise. So I've almost like exactly. backed off. And the other thing, the other realization, you know, I've been doing a video a week for years and I stopped about two months ago and one person actually said to me, hey, I stopped doing the video. It's like, nobody notices. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody is thinking, oh, you know what I need today? I need a rich video. Like we don't have, uh, there's not, there's not too little content. Nobody's hungry. Everybody yeah, is, is glutton. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm loath to do that unless I'm in front of somebody where I can see them. But for example, this opportunity for me is amazing because you're going to do all the work. It's your content creation. Yeah. You're putting it out there. Yeah. You're asking the questions and I'm just mm-hmm. kind of turning up and talking. And, and so I love that this is going in a totally different direction and that we're talking about this stuff because it's important and it's helping me shape my thinking. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, and again, maybe I will get there. Maybe there'll be a book yeah. around that or a keynote around that and some talks. Uh, but right now, I don't have enough on it. I just know it's something I care deeply about. And it's a problem I'm trying to solve for myself. Most of these things have already solved the problem by the time I'm talking about it. Okay. No, well, that's, that's perfect. You said if you if you feel like that, like I said, that you don't help but forcing it. Forcing it then, like I said, I've had like creative block in that sense of just being like, overwhelmed about the amount of projects and stuff that I that I do. And then you feel that you, if, once you force it, then you're not creative. Like I said, no, no, I took two days of editing a video instead of what I usually do it like within within a few hours. I said, I'm just going to leave it because I don't feel well about this. I'm not going to over, I'm not going to rush it and I'm going to, Gonna just brush it off and just send it out, and then that could have been an opportunity if someone else saw it. Now someone's going to see a half-assed job that I did, and um, it's it's all because I could have take one extra day just to to get it done. Shocking. So no, so. I get you hundred percent. Yeah. Have you ever listened to the podcast Startup? Um, I think I do have it subscribed. I haven't. I, I haven't listened to it. Who created a company called Gimlet Media? And he podcasts mm-hmm. him starting this podcast company. So the whole podcast, oh, season episode one, is him saying, I want to start a company. I want to podcast my journey. And he did it. Yeah. And funny enough, just speaking to you now, I was to podcast this financial, you know, being financially proficient mm-hmm. and better and safe. Actually, that yeah. quite excites me. The idea of creating a podcast is called like Rags to Riches or something. And it's yeah, the exactly. idea that, guys, here's the problem. This is what I have in the bank account. This is the potential I have. And right now, I can't retire. Like, if I have to retire, if I lose my income tomorrow, I'm screwed. This yeah. podcast is going to cover me going on a journey, trying to figure out how to invest, how to make money, why it matters, what's going on. I'm telling you right exactly. now, I don't know how to do it. But if you're excited, mm-hmm. come on the journey. Let's figure this shit out together. That I can exactly. do. Definitely, yeah. And like I said, doing a podcast like this, actually, my podcast is I've got my MacBook and I've got a microphone. That's that's it. That's, I've got the I've baby got brother. I've got the baby brother of your microphone. <laughs> it's a little Samson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Like I said, that's and that's it, and it and it costs me so little. And the thing, the opportunities that this little microphone has given me is immense. Like I said, and it's so easy. Like I said, I'm sitting here at, at my at my um, works boardroom, connected to the internet. I'm talking to you now, and this opportunity, I would have never had this interaction with you if it wasn't for this little microphone. And I think, and like I said, if you do it, you can take the microphone along and. Go and sit in a hotel room while you're doing just before you give your LinkedIn pre- uh, presentation and record a 20 bit, a 20 bit podcast on a new idea you thought of how to invest. I think that I think some I would definitely listen to that. I think that will be a little daily, daily motivation to, to, to like a reminder of, of, of I, I'm, I know there's a guy, um, Gary V. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk. He um like records these meetings that he has with with these people, and that gets uploaded to um, a video series that's on YouTube and a podcast. So he's doing zero of like the work. He's got a team that records everything and uploads it. He just goes into a normal business meeting. Everyone agrees, cool, we can upload this, and then he uses his marketing and and, and meetings for content for other people to to listen to where he gets people big companies to get the face-to-face and pay for the interaction and then obviously then all of us benefit from it because we can sit and listen to a a two-hour meeting that he had with um, five or six execs in New York so it helps absolutely totally agree Cool. Well, like awesome. I said, to, to, no, not take too much of your time anymore. If you can give, let's say, a quick summarize of what you would say, like if you had like five seconds or 10 seconds to give advice to people to end the podcast off, um, yeah, what would you, what would you say to, to, to the listeners? Spend less than you earn, eat less than you burn. Right. <laughs> That's it. Spend okay. less than you earn, <laughs> eat less than you burn. It's my algorithm for life. Like I have created a bunch of micro scripts. That's my favorite one. Yeah. If you just, if you can stick to that, if you can live by those ideas, uh, you'll be off to a good start. Awesome, awesome. Rich, like I said, thank you very much. Like I said, uh, thanks to Taryn and Ed with arranging all the, the times and everything and you taking this time out of your day to sit down and chat oh, with Kevin, me. Thanks for asking. Process. It's really, really awesome. And um, if anyone wants to like get your content or try and get what like, said, get some time with you, or whatever, where can they reach you on the internet? Where is your preferred? Uh, yeah, where where can they get you? The easiest place is to go to the URL getrich.af, uh, and if you go to getrich.af, you'll find links to everything from there. Awesome. Now I'll also add it in the show notes and the, the uh, when I publish this on Facebook and all that, so then everyone can access the link and see what you're all about and awesome. then have a listen Thanks to so the much. podcast. Awesome. Cool. Rich, thank you very much again for your time and enjoy your day. Appreciate it. You too. Take it easy again. Cool. Cheers. Cheers, man. Right. Awesome. Thanks very much for listening. Like I said, what a guy, right? As I said, Rich Mulholland was really a big inspiration to me and hopefully he has such a big impact on your life as he had mine. And thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, share it with, with your other entrepreneur friends, your business friends, anyone, anyone that you would think like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast. If you do feel like to give us a rating on iTunes and Spotify and cool. See you in the next episode.